Well, good morning. Good morning. It's so good to see you all here today and um, just to have you part of our Sunday service. And guess what? It's Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. And again, we are just so excited and honored that you would spend your day with us today celebrating the birth of our King. And um, if this is your first time here, if you haven't connected here or you've come back after a while, welcome home. And we would love to meet with you and talk with you at our connection counters after service. We have two inside the lobby, one out on the patio, and it's just a way to meet you face to face and answer any questions that you have. And just again, to let you know that you are so loved by Jesus. And after the service, we are going to have a time. We have hot chocolate, we have coffee, we have tea, and candy canes. What else do you need after service? So we'd love to see you out on the patio. And just this morning, um, again, just take a moment to remember you know, why we're here today, that we are celebrating the birth of our Savior. And as the Hutzko family comes up and lights the love candle and also the Christ candle, just take a moment just to clear the other stuff that you came in with today. And for the next hour, we are just going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. For unto us a child is born.
Well, welcome again to New Life, and we're going to sing a couple of Christmas carols together, and as we do, I would just encourage you, um, yes, sing them, they're the classics, but worship with them as well. Make these songs, just understand that these songs are speaking to the heart of God, and uh, we'll lift up a shout of praise together. As we do, I know it's getting kind of tight in here, so could I just ask us, if there are empty seats in your row, and you're not planning on saving a seat for a loved one or any friends or family, could we scoot in just a little bit? That would be so, so great. We appreciate it. Let's sing these songs together.
faith can move the mountains Let the mountains move We come with expectation Waiting here for you Waiting here for you
Father, you are worthy. You are worthy of everything we could give you, of every word that we sang this morning. We thank you so much for the gift of Christmas. We thank you that you loved us so much that you wanted to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you that you are not a God that's distant, but a God that draws near. In our moments of triumphs, in our moments of messiness, God, you are with us. And we thank you for that. Just as the whole world yearned for your coming, God, we anxiously anticipate you coming and making all things right. And so we welcome you into this place today. We welcome you into our world. We welcome you into our hearts. God, we carve out space in our heart this morning. We make room for you to speak to us. So we ask that you would come near once again. We love you. We thank you. All of this is for you and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. My name is Elena, and I am one of the pastors here at New Life, and it is just so good to be together, to gather together um, each and every year for Christmas, and um, so thank you so much for being making us a part of your Christmas traditions this year. I'd like to invite our ushers forward to receive our offering today. If this is your first time here, you're just checking out this whole church thing, don't feel any obligation, but you're obviously more than welcome to participate because um, God is doing some amazing things here through our church. And um, at this time of the year, we always seem to kind of uh, have a bit of reflection. You know, you get your Spotify wrapped, or if you're a book nerd like me, you get your Goodreads year in books. Um, so everybody kind of has this reflection. And at New Life, we want to do the same thing. We don't want to kind of move on to the next thing before we celebrate what God has done. And so this has been an incredible year at New Life. We have some pictures that are scroll of some of our favorite moments um, over this past year. Um, I may have snuck in my favorite moment of getting to baptize my son. So look for that. Um, but yeah, we baptized 140 people this year at New Life. Um, so that's just a small portion of like what God has been doing and the life change that's happened. Our student ministries is just exploding. It's so encouraging to see over 200 kids worshiping Jesus each week. Um, from main event to summer camp at Hume Lake, God just um, really blessed us this year. And as I personally look back on my year, it truly is just such a blessing to feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself, that like what I have given my life to, my energy to, my resources to, God is multiplying that. And it's so, it's really just gives me the confidence knowing that, that I'm a part of something that God's doing. I'm a part of God's kingdom. And so we would love for you also to be a part of that, to feel like you are a part of something bigger than you. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and so if you feel like God is, is encouraging you to maybe step out in faith a little bit more, maybe you'd like to be a part of what God's doing here financially, um, we would love for you to feel like you're a part of that, that God is, um, you're a part of what God is doing here on the Central Coast, and not just here, but around the world as well. So you can give online, you can give through the app, there's iPads in the, in the lobby that you can do that through, because it truly is, as I reflect back, it truly just is a blessing to feel like, there it is, there's my son, um, so that is a great moment. And, um, you, and to feel like you can be a part of a crew, like meeting people that are all like-minded um, and seeing the kingdom of, of God come to earth. And so we say this a lot around here at New Life, but um, we truly want to be a family to belong to, not just an event to attend. And so right now is a great time of the year to just jump in. In fact, tomorrow morning, if you are a man or a boy young man. Um, we have our, our men start Christmas morning off every year with prayer right here in the worship center. It's at 5.30 tomorrow, so set your alarms. <laughs> start off Christmas right with some time of prayer. We welcome you to that. Next week, we'll, have, um, we'll be back here at 9 and 11 on New Year's Eve, and we're going to have a special service to kind of enter us into the new year, a time of um, extended worship and prayer, so we invite you to that. Um, and then in the new year, it is truly just the greatest time to get involved at New Life because all of our women's Bible studies and our men's Bible studies are all starting back up. 
And so, and we're going to be starting a brand new series in the new year as well, talking about what the church should be known for. I think it's going to be really challenging and a really good conversations about that. So um, we would just love for you just to take a step, maybe pray about it and say like, hey, in this new year, God, would you like faith or church or the body of Christ to be a bigger part of my life this year? Um, and if so, New Life would love to help you along in that journey. It's a great time to get plugged in and involved. Um, and so as we prepare our hearts to hear from the word of God this morning, would you just allow these words of these lyrics just to wash over you and encourage your heart today? Tears are falling, hearts are breaking, how we need to hear from God. You've been promised, we've been waiting, welcome holy child, welcome holy child. God's embracing every season. It's Savior to be known. Come awake the love inside us. Make our hearts your home. Come make our hearts your home. And so God... As we gather in this space this morning, I'm grateful that you will meet us right where we are at. No matter the season, if we are in a season of joy and celebration, you meet us there. If we are a season of expectation, you meet us there. If we are a season of grieving, you are close to the brokenhearted. If we are in a season where we are bringing our doubts and we're not even quite sure about this whole God thing or Christianity thing, you meet us in those moments. If we find ourselves having wandered and we're just trying to figure out what it looks like to make our way back towards you, you as the loving father wait expectantly, ready to throw a party when we return. And so, God, we just ask that through this time, you would allow your Holy Spirit to move in our hearts, and we would encounter you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. So I want to begin with this question, which is, uh, what is love? What is love? Now, some context. You missed the 9 a.m. service, so I got to give some context. I don't want to end up on preacher sneakers. Uh, but in the 9 a.m. service, right before the 9 a.m. service, I got an anonymous present. Uh, somebody knew that 12-year-old David never got his Jordans. And so somebody put a present on my table at 9 a.m. and it said, open right before you preach. Now, I didn't want to be like fake about like, oh, surprise, surprise, in 11 o'clock service. So I just put them on. And... Uh, Somebody bless this pastor with Jordan that he never got when he was 12 years old. Amen. <laughs> but you have to understand, at 12, 12 years old, Jordans are what I loved. Maybe even at 44 years old, Jordans are still what I love, right? But I, we talk about this idea of like, what is love? And I'm going, all right, like, I love these shoes right now. They're super comfortable. Some of you love your car or love your sports team. Or if you're like me, you love yourself some street tacos. In fact, low-key, like, I have a vision for my retirement years where I will be an influencer and I will go around and I will find taco stands and I will rate street tacos for you so that you will know where you need to go to get some really good street tacos. Like, I would love to have that job in my retirement years. Some of us, you know, we love various things that we have, but we also love our family and we love various things. But there might not be a greater poem or a poet who put into words what it means to love 
down through the generations. It crosses generational lines. And I think it's important for us to recognize these rich words. That when it comes to love, I'm never going to give you up. I'm never going to let you down. I'm never going to run around. I'm never going to desert you. I'm never going to make you cry. I'm never going to say goodbye. Right? I'm never going to tell a lie. And everybody say it together. And so as prophetic as those words are on a Christmas Eve, they're not true. Right? Like think about it. They're actually not true because I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself. I have let people down. And I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself that I have hurt people. And I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself, but I have made people that I care about cry, and I have made mistakes, and I have frustrated people. And, and as much as I desire for love to, or to maybe look like that, there is nothing that I have ever been able to do consistently that makes love look like that. In fact, with that as our benchmark, what I have tended to encounter most of my life is, is not actual love, but a uh, broken version of love. And maybe you've experienced some of this also. Like, I'm really familiar down throughout my life. If I look at my story, and if you look at your story, you're probably really familiar with this idea of transactional love. That I will love you as, much, as long as you do an equal amount for me. And so I will give this to you as long as you give that equal amount to me. And so we enter into an understanding of love that is very transactional. Or maybe you've been in a relationship before that isn't necessarily transactional, it's just about taking, and you have loved somebody well, and they took that love, and they took that love, and they took that love, but they never reciprocated it. And that is what your experience is of love. Maybe you've been in a framework of love where someone basically has said, whether it's spoken audibly or whether it's just an unsaid thing by their actions, that they will love you as long as you don't mess up. As long as you don't make a mistake, as long as you are perfect, as long as you do all the things, then I will love you. But the moment you mess up, the moment you make a mistake, then, then I, I'm out. I'm out. Or maybe you have discovered somebody who will love you as long as all the conditions are right. In fact, it's one of the things that makes a show like The Bachelor or Bachelorette so difficult is because, yeah, it's easy to fall in love or to love somebody when you're in Tahiti and you're going around the world and all your meals are paid for, <laughs> right? But when life happens and the conditions change, what does it look like to actually love? And so over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about what it means when Jesus enters into our world. And when Jesus enters into our world, he reminds us of what authentic and radical love looks like. But the problem is, is that when he reveals what love looks like, it almost feels foreign to us. Because all we've ever known is love that's conditional. And all we've ever known is love that's difficult. All we've ever known is love that of somebody taking and taking and taking. All we've ever known is a transactional love. And we might have had some glimpses here and here, but when Jesus begins to reveal to us what love actually looks like, we're like, man, this feels uncomfortable, it feels different, it feels foreign to us. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the book of 1 John. 1 John is in the New Testament or the second half of the Bible. It's towards the end of the New Testament. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 9. If you don't have your Bibles with you, the passage will be on the screen behind me. It says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. And at that point, I'm almost like, hey, let's lean in. Like, if God's going to tell us what real love looks like, let's lean into this and discover what it is. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. If you're just kind of, again, investigating God, if you're just checking things out, or maybe you've been following Jesus for quite some time, but you're trying to still figure out what this God thing is all about and what 
what, what are the character, uh, characteristics or the nature of God? This is something that's really foundational for you to understand that is revealed not only through Jesus but throughout the entirety of the Bible. Love is not just something that God does. It's what God is. It's really important for us to understand that. There, there, there is nothing that God does that does not reflect love because God is love. And what I get that maybe some of you are feeling right now is that's almost offensive to us because when we think about God having us wait and we think about God correcting us and we think about God um, leaning into our lives and stepping into our lives, we can go, man, this is uncomfortable. Is this really loving? And yet, because God is love, there is nothing that he does that is not loving. And so we have to lean into this uncomfortable place and it comes kind of in conflict at times with our understanding of love and God's understanding of revealing what love looks like. And the Bible wants to make this really crystal clear for us. And so when the Bible reveals love to us, it simultaneously reveals the character and nature of God to us through Jesus. And so all of a sudden when we encounter Jesus, when Jesus wraps himself in human flesh, and enters our world. He reveals to us what love looks like. In fact, the text that we're reading says, God showed us. Some translations says this, God manifested his love. Or maybe even a more poignant way of saying is, God made love visible. God put skin on love when Jesus entered our world and began to reveal to us what love looked like and what it looked like to interact with God and how God invites us into his world. And when God revealed this to us, he didn't reveal it to us from afar. It was a radical departure from the other religions and faiths of the world. God comes near and reveals to us what love looks like. In fact, it says, if you go back to the book of John, chapter 1, it reminds us that, that God comes and he dwells among us. The word becomes flesh in the person of Jesus and reveals love to us. It, he dwells among us. And so Bette Midler was really, really wrong when she said, from a distance. Because God is near. He comes near to us. In fact, the paraphrase of the Bible, the message, actually has a really neat way of saying this. It says, God moved into the neighborhood. I love that phrase. God moves into our neighborhood. And, and it's interesting because when he comes up close to us, all of a sudden we begin to understand who he is and what he is about. And one of the things that's revealed is that God is a Trinitarian God. He is God in three persons. One God, three persons. And what's so radical about this is that within the ancient times, there was not, people believed not just in one God, but in many gods. And those gods were always warring against each other. They were always trying to fight for position and power and authority. They were actually trying to trick each other or hurt each other. And so the narrative of scripture comes along and all of a sudden reveals a God who has one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And, and God is working in community and concert with himself in order to create all things. And so in Genesis chapters 1, 1 and 2 specifically, we get an understanding that when God created, he did so out of a love for his creation. So when he created you, when he created me, he loved us so much that he says this, he created humanity in his own image. And so he wasn't posturing with other gods and he wasn't trying to pull a power play or anything of that. It was out of his great love that he created humanity and desired a relationship with humanity. He invites humanity into that Trinitarian relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit. But when we allowed sin to corrupt everything, our sin, my sin, your sin, God once again works in concert with the Trinitarian nature that he is, Father, Son, and Spirit, to bring about recreation. In fact, when the angel approaches Mary, we read the words that God found favor with Mary, that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon her, and that through Mary, the Messiah, the Son of God, would be born, Father, Son, and Spirit. Not warring against each other. Not coming to heap guilt or shame or make you a slave, but to redeem and restore 
all of creation. What a beautiful picture of love that's revealed through Scripture. Scripture also reveals that God is the initiator of love. We recognize that God loved you first. God moved into your neighborhood. You didn't move into his. And not only that, but when he moved into your neighborhood, he didn't ask you to clean up your lawn. He didn't ask you to make sure that the house got painted before he moved in. He moved in. He wasn't, well, I don't know. If we have some Karens here, I love you, Karen. He wasn't Karen. He wasn't the person that was trying to make you have it all right and fix all the messes. He moved into your neighborhood and then invites you into a relationship with him and says, yeah, I get it. You have messes, but I am a God who restores. I am a God who redeems. I am a God who makes all things new. And again, one of the areas that we get this understanding of God being the initiator and meeting people right where they're at is in the story of the shepherds. The shepherds were a gnarly group of people. They were, they were most likely thieves, and they found themselves to be very unclean just in terms of their stank, but also unclean because they were constantly around dead things, which means if you were around dead things, then you were impure. And if you were impure, you couldn't go to temple. And if you couldn't go to temple, you couldn't worship. So you were always on the outside looking in of the worshiping community. And I imagine on a day like today, in a place like this, that there are probably a few people that feel like they're constantly on the outside of the church or the religious community, and they're gathered here today, and you're just kind of like, well, the walls didn't fall down. And maybe nobody will notice. But here's again what's so fascinating about God's love is that he loved you first. He moved into your neighborhood and he meets you right where you are at before you even recognize him. In fact, the shepherds are one of the very first people that the messenger announces the message of the coming of Messiah to. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, if there's somebody maybe here saying, is there... I know that this message and I know that Jesus and I know this idea of Jesus in our life is for the religious person. I know it's for the person who goes to church. I know it's for the person who's pretty good most of the time. Like if that's your mindset, then I want you to hear Luke chapter 2 verse 11 because it says this, for unto you, hold on to that word you for a moment, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It doesn't say unto you and then list qualifications. It doesn't say unto you and then all of a sudden, hold on, you got to meet this mark right here, here, and here. It says unto you, a Savior has been born. No matter what your story looks like, no matter how frustrated you've been, no matter what's going on in your life, a Savior has been born to you. And here's one of the things that the, I just felt the Spirit speaking to me, and maybe it's going to be helpful for somebody here today. My less than godly story is a God story. My less than godly story, my, my desire to not want to follow God early on in my life, my desire to shake my fist in his, in his face, my desire to not try to do what he has called me to do, to not walk in his way, my ungodly story is what God's stories look like. God meeting people in their mess, God meeting people in their brokenness, God meeting people in their hurt, God meeting people in their frustration, God meeting people right where they are at and leading them to salvation, and leading them to freedom, and leading them to experience the love that he has for you. But one of the challenges is that for every single one of us, we have experienced a glimpse of God's love. And sometimes, we like to stay right there at just a glimpse. In fact, there's a fancy theological phrase that's utilized for this idea of a glimpse of God's love and a glimpse of understanding who God is. It's called common grace. And common grace is something that, that we want to recognize and, and kind of woos us or moves us towards understanding who God is. But so many of us stop right there at common grace. Let me give you some examples. Some common grace is the fact that some of you are just really, really excited that you signed Otani, even if it was for almost a billion dollars. Common grace is when you see a sunrise or a sunset and you get stirred up and excited inside. Common grace is what's going to happen maybe later today or tomorrow where there's about, you know, 
30 minutes where not everybody is bickering, but you're around the tree and the tree is lit and you're opening up gifts and all seems right with the world. There's this common grace that God extends to us and we say, man, things just feel right. Common grace is going to be when you pull out that dessert that you know you're not supposed to eat (laughs) and you take a bite and from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes, it's so, so good. And you say, I can go to Planet Fitness next week. (laughs) But I'm going to enjoy God's common grace right now. Common grace. But that's just a glimpse of God's love. In fact, you might say, when it comes to common grace, it's like opening up the very first present, being like, I'm good. I'm good. Knowing that you have more gifts to open up. And I don't know about your family. I only know mine. We never give the best gift first. There's always the one we pull out of the closet or from under the bed or we say, hey, there's one more. And so many times we stop in terms of our relationship with God and our understanding of his love at this idea of common grace because it's good and it's right and we see glimpses of it. But if I can suggest and invite you to something this morning that God has so much more for you. He has a radical and authentic love that isn't transactional and it's not something that um, he manufactures and it's not something that you have to fix yourself up and try to figure out how to earn it, that he offers it to you right where you are at. And for some of us, we have never experienced that. For some of us, we only feel like that we're worthy of something if we get into the right school or get the right first job. We only feel like we're worthy of love if we find that right person and somehow they affirm to us that somehow we are worthy of somebody's love because they want to spend the rest of, our ni- of their lives with us. We only feel like we're loved if that person who keeps trying to walk away from us stays and doesn't walk out on us. We only feel like we're loved if we get the right gift or if somebody says the right words to us, if we get the right affirmation. So many times we find ourselves chasing love and trying to figure it out. It's almost like, it's almost like we are a contestant on The Voice and we're just waiting for somebody's chair to turn to say that we're worthy. And God comes to you and says, I love you. Right where you're at. I want to redeem and restore. I want you to experience the fullness of who I am. It says that Jesus demonstrates the power of God, not through just position and authority and not through a tangent and not through uh, hellfire and brimstone. He, He demonstrates the love of God by initiating the relationship and laying down his life for you and for me, setting us free from our sin and conquering death in our lives. Which again, if you go to the Christmas story, is a radical departure from how kings operated. We know that kings weren't born in mangers, that they were born in palaces. But the other thing that you recognize from the Christmas story is that Herod wanted to maintain his power. He wanted to maintain his prestige and he wanted to maintain his authority. And the way that he was committed to doing that was he was willing to sacrifice everybody else in order to maintain his power, in order to maintain his authority. The God who loves you sent his one and only son into this world not to maintain his power and authority but to sacrifice himself for you. To lay down his life that you might know his love, that you might know his freedom. And so when we hear that word eternal life, many of us have either heard through other people or grew up in churches. And our understanding of eternal life was something that happens later. But eternal life begins now. When you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus invites you to experience freedom. He invites you to experience freedom from sin. He invites you to experience freedom uh, in conquering death in your life and start walking in God's ways. So salvation is not something for the future. Salvation comes today. And you get to walk in the freedom that God offers today. And you begin to work it out and understand who God is and who you are. But can I tell you something? You're gonna begin crawling And then you're going to stumble around a little bit. And then you're going to learn how to walk in step with the Spirit. And it's kind of like me and my Jordans. At one point, you're going to start having some swag, right? Actually, I don't know how to walk. I'm increasing these right now, my kids would tell me. They, They like walk like this. I don't even know how they do it. 
But eventually you're gonna walk in step with the Spirit and experience what God has for you. And that's the invitation that God has. God meets us right where we are at and he loves us right where we are at, but he doesn't wanna keep us there. He invites us to experience the fullness of who he is, to experience his love, to respond to his love, to experience his freedom, to begin walking in his ways. And so the question for us today is if God is going to love us like that with this radical, audacious love, how will you respond? How will I respond? What does it look like to know you are radically loved? Especially when, for many of us, the dominant narrative of love in our life has been a fractured love, a conditional love, a taking love, a transactional love. God invites you to experience something different, authentic, real, and sacrificial. He says, let me meet you right where you're at. Let me reveal my love to you. And the scripture says he does this by sending his one and only son, Jesus, into this world to wrap himself in human flesh. The song that we've been singing the last couple of weeks, there's a lyric in it that we didn't sing, but I think is really powerful. It says this, So wrap your wounded flesh around you. Breathe our air and walk our sod. And this lyric just so powerful. Rob our sin and make us holy, perfect son of God. Welcome to our world. God wants to rob you of your sin and replace it with his holiness and his goodness, and his love. And when you allow him to do that, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. In fact, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I want you to hear the words that Paul wrote to the church of Rome. Because when you don't get into the college that you thought you were going to go to, and when you don't get that first job that you were hoping for, and when you don't get that raise that you wanted, and when family life doesn't quite go as planned with having kids, and when the teenagers and the the young years come, and you're so busy, you're ready to pull your hair out, and you don't know how you can communicate, and when you begin to question God's love, this is a verse that I would encourage you to not only memorize, but keep close to you as a reminder when life doesn't go the way you thought it was gonna go. It says this, and I am convinced, Holy Spirit, would you convince some souls this morning? Would you convince some hearts this morning? Would you reveal, manifest yourself, make yourself known this morning? And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God, here we are. This Advent season, we have been waiting expectantly once again. For some of us, in remembrance of your love and when you encountered us. And for some of us today, God, we are pondering, or at the very least, getting curious about your love for us. So God, I pray your Holy Spirit right now would go throughout this gathering to those who are watching online, who are on the patio And would you begin to minister to their hearts right now? For those who have only ever known a transactional love, God, would you let them know that you love them first and you're gonna keep loving them 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 and you're gonna keep loving them. 
for those who have ever known, all they've ever known is a situational type of love, a conditional type of love, would you let them know? No matter, if they go up to the heights of the heavens, you will be there. If they make their bed in the depths below, you will be there. There is nowhere they can go from your spirit. You are there for them. For those who have ever known just a taking love where all somebody did was make promises, but they never fulfilled them. They just took and they took and they took and they took. And you spent your life chasing a mom's love or a dad's love or a spouse's love, trying to think, if I can just be good enough, if I can just love them enough, they'll actually love me back. And they never did. I want you to know that there is a God who loved you first. Who loved you first. You don't need to get your affirmation from somebody who only gave you a broken type of love. You can get your affirmation and your worthiness that you are a son, you are a daughter of the most high God, that he laid down his life for you. And when we, when we allow ourselves to experience that type of love, it is the only way that we learn how to love others well. So God, I pray that you would do some movement today, that you would move the person who is curious about you to start investigating and asking questions and to get curious about reading your word and listening to your spirit and getting some fellow followers of Jesus around them that they can ask questions to. I pray that the person, the person who knows you, I pray that they would sense a joy today that they know that type of love. An excitement that they know that type of love. And I pray the person that has been wandering would remember that when the prodigal comes home, dad throws a party. And they celebrate the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. So God, as we turn to you, would you shape our hearts this morning? And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your grace, God. We thank you for the gift of your son, who is Christ Jesus, and we celebrate today. God, help us to continue to honor you as we go out, as we spend time, God, just loving one another. Help us to keep you first. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to end with a, with a classic, Silent Night. This is the time that we'll invite you guys to get your candles out. And uh, to avoid burning each other's hair, right, because we don't want to have a mishap, we're going we're gonna to light the, the very first candle over here at, at the Christ candle. And so we'll kind of keep that symbolism in mind, right? We're starting with Christ, and uh, that candle, that, that flame that is of Christ is going to fill this entire room up. It's going to be a really, really beautiful moment. Um, so we're going to, as worship leaders, come out into the congregation. We'll go row by row. Just light the person next to you. Don't worry about lighting anyone behind you, okay? Do we have a deal on that? All right, great. So we're going to sing this classic, Silent Night. The ensemble's going to lead us in this, but if you would help us sing along, we would really appreciate it, all right? Silent Night, here we go. invite you to take just a 
moment of silent reflection. And if God is done speaking with you in this particular moment, in a moment when we dismiss, I encourage you to go Sabbath well and celebrate what God has done, family and friends. But if you sense he's still stirring in you, our pastoral team and our prayer team will be at the front. And if you want to know more about how you can follow Jesus, or maybe it's just been a really hard year and you want somebody to pray over you, I encourage you to come forward when we dismiss here in a moment. Because Heavenly Father, it's in these silent moments that we hear your spirit with more clarity and we are reminded of your love for us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You can go blow, blow out your candle. And if you would return these when you leave and walk out those doors, there'll be baskets there. Two really quick things. Men's prayer tomorrow, 5.30. Next week, a time of worship and prayer in our New Year's Eve service. As you go today, may you go in the confidence of God's love for you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Grace and peace to you.